As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, yours. You could argue that it's a coincidence that the Kansas City Chiefs put up their best offensive performance of the season at the same time that Seth Kaiser returned to the loving embrace of this podcast, but I wouldn't argue that there are such things as coincidences, at least not in terms of Times R's being involved. That's right, the prodigal son has returned, and I'm not talking about Josh Gordon. I'm talking about Seth Kaiser, who joins myself, Josh Briscoe, and the one and only Nate Taylor here, the whole gang back together on this edition of Times R's. And guys, not only are we looking back at a blowout victory, which felt nice to have a game over at halftime, uh, but also I think we're going to have to do a little bit of looking ahead to Thursday night football as we figure out what this week is going to look like. It's a short week for everybody, but lucky for the Chiefs, and I guess lucky for us, 48-9 uh, to nine makes part one of this week a little bit easier. <laughs> it, it does. Um I don't know how much we or how much the people want us to to dive into the idea that like hey um they curb stomped them. <laughs> I bet they're interested in that Nate. I bet okay, they like Okay, more. okay. I bet they like him more. Uh Look, it there are a few times in the regular season where um you show up at a game and and Like we said before, some rematches are a little bit more um, anticipated than others. And and without Seth being here, Josh, we both mentioned like, hey, Bill's Patriots seems really interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) You know, even tonight, by the time you hear this, you may have the result. But even like, uh, you know, Cardinals Rams, like that seems cool. Like what's what's 49ers Rams going to look like? Um, Chiefs Raiders part two. Yeah. One team's better than the other. Eh, it sort of is the prelude to Thursday night. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes the good Lord smiles <laughs> upon you. <laughs> because not only did the road team actually need the game more in terms of win-loss record. Mm-hmm. Not only did the road team need the game more for pride purposes. Um, Not only did the team... Not only did the road team need more just because, like, 
who's going to be on this team next year is like mm-hmm. hovering over all of them. Um, is Yannick Ngakwe's name in the <laughs> Ring of Honor already? <laughs> how, how, I don't. How about oh. Trayvon Mullen? Is he is he is he a, is he a candidate for next year's Ring of Honor ceremony? Because the 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 rationale, the arrogance, the irrational confidence to put your cleats on your arch rival's logo, and yes, ladies and gentlemen, I had to sit in a press conference where multiple players told me they didn't know about this before kickoff. Sure, sure, guys. Yeah. God, <laughs> players sure. are such bald faced liars. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's even it's even Andy. It's like ah, we just do what we do. Sure, coach, you, you haven't ran yeah. up the score on anybody in the first half all season until I don't know. He called. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Nate. Go, by the go. Way. No, no, no. This go is on. this is me being back. He called a timeout <laughs> with yeah. like a minute and a half left. The you you want to know why the Raiders went for it on fourth down? Not yes, went for it, but did a fake punt because yes. they to steal a phrase from Josh because they bleeping had to because they <laughs> knew if they punted the ball back. Andy was going to call four straight forwards. <laughs> and they, like, they were – and the funny thing is not like the Chiefs were like throwing the kitchen sink at them from the playbook. I, I mean, that, I have never seen Andy Reid do that. Like in terms of the play calling, he kept Mahomes in until like what? Ten minutes left in the fourth? Yes. Like yes. that game was over at halftime. I had a shout out to to my my buddy and, and Nate's buddy, not yet Joshua's buddy, but I'm sure soon to be Joshua's buddy, Clint, mm. texted yes. me at halftime, um saying Chad any time at halftime, and I was like, Oh, that would be so disrespectful <laughs> <laughs> to march out Chad Henny. And I get why you don't, even up 35 3. Which I, by the way, the commentary, you know, you needed those points to add some confidence. <laughs> if we spend a single second of this podcast on that field goal, I'm afraid it's going to be the only oh. thing in this podcast because I, it left me. I wanted to fight Rich Bisaccia. That was the most cowardly but, thing. But, but I, I love it. I love the whole two minute sequence of, hey, we're calling a timeout because we want the ball. Hey, you know what? We'll see your timeout. We'll, we'll we'll run a fake punt. All right, fine. Spags, unleash the dogs. <laughs> like it was so much fu coaching. It was incredible. Oh. Oh, I, it was. I, and it was then Masachi so was like, ah, "There's only four seconds left. Ah, kick the field goal." It's like, yep. come on, man. Like they, this, this this was the most entertaining two minutes of the game outside of you know Josh Jacobs not protecting the ball in the oh opening snap. <laughs> After y'all put, look, you cannot be like, all right, boys, following Gakway <laughs> into <me>. hell, <laughs> and then oh. and then fumble the ball on the opening on the opening snap. Come on, you can't. Everybody should have looked at Josh and been like, really, dog? We just did that? <laughs> really? Really? No, you no. told. By the way, you told these broadcasters who were so willing, who were so eager to tell <laughs> the the audience, which I know, Josh. I know. I know. I know. It wasn't Tony Romo. But look, the broadcasts were like, you know, Josh Jacobs told us, you know, he doesn't enjoy playing the Chiefs, but he does enjoy Arrowhead. And, and I am like, those two sentences together, I was like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, what are you? What? what are I don't really like those dudes, <laughs> but I do love playing at Arrowhead. Dude, you played in it when it was imp- when it was like 22%. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's such a good point. So, 
I have so much I want to hear Josh say about that field goal, but I know we won't talk about anything else. I have never seen people, nah, rarely have I seen people just tear apart a decision as cowardly before that. Because you, you like, talk- I can, I can get, I can get a quick one in if you want. I can get, I, I can get a little flurry of blows real quick. I, I want to hear it. I just want to point out a couple things. Please, first. please, please, please. So the the whole, I mean, we don't know how much the emotional stuff matters in sports. Everyone, most, most rational people acknowledge that it matters. We just can't quantify it and it doesn't always matter, you know? And so because that, you don't really see it in the numbers. You don't see momentum in the numbers. You don't see passion in the numbers, all that stuff. But let me just tell you two things. One, if you're in Gakwe and you got dominated by Orlando mm-hmm. Brown in the first matchup, mm-hmm. what are you doing? And I, I think he had a sack. Let me tell you, one against Orlando Brown. And and shout out to Andrew Wiley, who has held it down at right tackle and is doing the best he can. He's the third string tackle. He got beat for a sack. It happens. But in Gakwe, like, He's gotten swallowed whole by Orlando Brown. Like, he did everything but seriously unhinge his jaw and eat him on the field. <laughs> and, and it's just like, <laughs> I wrote about that one. Did you enjoy that, Josh? I did. <laughs> so I like that visual. Just mid-play, just opened up and swallowed him. Just Like, he, he like, rips his face mask <laughs> off of his helmet. And then it's just like uh, Scrooge's friend from uh, Christmas Carol. Yeah, That's just. Have his jaw tied up. Tied up. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah, and so, I, and I wrote about Orlando Brown while I was on vacation, and because he had some just unbelievable pancakes in the passing game against the Broncos, that I really want to. I mean, just he just throws people around. It's hilarious. So if you're in Gawkway, that's the first thing. It's like for one thing, it's like, dude, why don't you let Max take it? Like the dude that actually played well last time. Why don't you let him lead the huddle here? But no, they, so you're gonna do all that. Fine, whatever. I don't really care. I like friendly trash talk. I think it makes the game better. I think it's enjoyable. Oh, it does. It made oh, my yeah. job so easy yesterday. <laughs> yeah, they did it. They did us a gift. The Raiders did, they the, really did us, did. the media, oh, yeah. Chiefs fans, oh. the Chiefs. And uh, it's fun. Uh. Talk smack back and forth. You know, it's really for me when I like say stuff about on Twitter or whatever, it's a lot of faux outrage. I'm going to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, the disrespect. Mm-hmm. I don't care. They're not insulting my mom. What do I care? And even the players on the team, I'm sure they they use it to psych themselves up. But here's and the also, other thing. Also, if uh, Yannick and Gakwe talked bleep about your mom, Seth, what would you do about it? I would, yeah, I'd call Orlando Brown. And other than that, I don't really feel I'd have a lot to do. I'd be like, yeah, okay, fair enough, dude. You're, you know, but so these the second part. The one thing I would take away from like the first 30 seconds of the game and make no mistake, that game was over. First play of the game. That game was over. I have never in my life seen a more clear demonstration of the fact that even though it doesn't matter all the time and it doesn't matter often enough that you can count on it, sometimes the human element and emotion matters a crap ton because you just watch the wind just die in the sails of the Raiders and they were in the ocean 40 miles out to sea with a hurricane coming in with no wind yet to take them into shore. And it was going to get ugly. And you, you just knew it like their entire demeanor, everything changed. And that was worth watching, just watching them. Like, I wish I could have seen their eyes because their body language was just, they knew it's like, Oh, we caught this. We're going to take it from them. We're going to blah, 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 blah. What do you mean on the very first play of the game? We fumbled and gave up. It's literally the worst thing that could happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> literally. <laughs> literally. It literally doesn't get worse. Other than, I guess, fumbling on the kickoff. 
But I mean, even it, that, we've seen that happen before. I think that would somehow be less deflating. I think it would be too, because it's your special teams guys. Like, oh, that's yeah. kind of a fluke. Whereas this is like, yeah, he got stuffed. And also, it was just enough of a play to show their offensive line get dominated. Mm-hmm. And so and that never stopped. That never changed. No. So that, that those are my quick thoughts on the game. I would love to hear your thoughts on cowardness, though. It's one of the most cowardly choices I've ever seen made on a football field. And the, this whole idea, I got into like a, I am tired of having this conversation argument with Beards and Rudy as it was happening. Because, not because they were defending it, but because both of them were like, yeah, but like 20 NFL coaches would do this. And I'm not even sure they're wrong. I'm just sure that if that's the case, half of the head coaches in this league should be doing something else. Because you have been getting absolutely worked the entire first half. It is 35 to nothing. <laughs> yep. and, and if you want to talk about momentum, the first, the first whiff of momentum, the first idea that maybe you could do something of consequence, literally anything of, not even of consequence, something of competence <laughs> is that, you know what? On this play that's taken a dozen, or this drive that's taken a dozen plays so far, we've actually marched down the field in less than two minutes and we have a few seconds and one play to try to put seven on the board. And they said, oh, but man, we'd be pretty bummed out if we got shut out in the first half. You got worse than shut out in the first half, man. This wasn't, if it was 14 nothing, And you were like, look, it's, it's just one more play. They would have one more down. Whatever. I'd say, look, something, something went wrong along this path. And also, in a closer game, those points, you know, matter more. The needle wasn't going to move on this goal line anyway. But if the Raiders had anything to play for if they thought they had a chance of winning this football game the, the smallest chance of winning this football game it was going to start with a touchdown there they go into the locker room and feel a little better about themselves because they scored a big boy point and then they come back out for the second half try to hold the Chiefs back and try to do it again and they actually did score again on a long drive their first drive out of the half now the Chiefs went down and kicked a field goal of their own on that on that uh, little uh, little march down, making it mm -hmm. right back to a 35-point margin again because the Chiefs were going to score again. We had seen that. And and all of the all of the absolute bleep-whooping that happened up until that point, the, the field goal did not put a damper on it. <laughs> it put an exclamation point on it, which is watch us kick this pity field goal for ourselves instead of actually doing the thing that would have any hope any hope of making this game close at any point. So the Raiders deserve everything that, that comes to them here. I mean, it's it, a, a blowout win like this is great for the Chiefs. It's hilarious for the Chiefs side of this rivalry. But I was genuinely like mad about that move because it was a it was a white flag. But then they came back out in the second half like they were going to do something. It was it was remarkable. It was breathtaking uh, as an act of of not even pretending to hold up the the loose idea of attempting to get competitive in that game again. It wasn't going to matter either way, but at least you could have done was tried. Worst worst thing that happens is you don't get it, and then what? Right, it, yeah, it, you're down by 35 still. Yikes. It's the same. It's 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 just as bad if you try and don't get it as it is if you kick a field goal. I would say that the two things are virtually identical in terms of going into the half. Like, I, I just don't think the field goal... It, it's not a play like, hey, you know, it's not something you can rally behind. Hey, we had a good draft, uh, a good drive to finish the half. You just, you just, 
I, I get it. Well, you know, but if we but if 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 we go for it and they stop us, then they'll have all the momentum. They'll have all the momentum if you make a field goal too. Uh, yeah, because because that instead instead of failing to do something successful, you literally didn't try. Yeah. Um. So I, I had a few things that I thought we might talk about here, kind of in this middle ground of between games and everything. But I don't know if you guys just saw, or maybe yeah. Nate was, maybe Nate was working on this while mm -hmm. Seth and I were yelling about dumb field goals. Oh boy. Uh. But but Josh Gordon has been placed on the COVID list for the Chiefs. Um. This comes a little bit after Rashawn Slater, left tackle for the Chargers, was put on the COVID list because of a, po a positive test earlier. Um. I have not seen to this point. Um. It, oh no. Tom Pelissero says Josh Gordon tested positive. So that's um still depending on vaccination status and everything. Guys can still get back with two negative tests 24 hours apart. But it would put a pretty tight vice grip on Josh Gordon's turnaround there. Obviously, Nate, you know, the the day after catching his first touchdown pass as a chief. Yeah, and this is unfortunate just because, uh, you know, for a timeline purposes, um, the Chiefs will have one practice before they go to Los Angeles to play the Chargers. Uh, that practice is going to be tomorrow, um, you know, and so because of the way uh and i believe i i'm i'm double checking this as we record right now but i believe gordon is uh vaccinated so he will have to as you mentioned uh, have two negative tests over the course of 24 hour period um that pretty much means that he he won't be able to practice on tuesday as you're hearing this and then the hope is that at some point he'll have a negative test on Wednesday, and then it becomes a timing issue as to whether or not he can travel with the team or if he would have to travel uh, individually on his own to get to Los Angeles. Um, it, it just sucks that the league is going to have to deal with, with more of this as we go along just because um, it's getting colder, of course. Uh, there's a new variant, ladies and gentlemen, if you did not know that already. Uh, and that's sort of, you know, permeating throughout the, the country slash world. Um, but... The hope is that uh, if he does test negative twice, there's a slight chance he may play. But Andy's, again, always, and I, I want to remind our listeners, Andy Reid is always pretty clear on like, hey, I want you to practice. It's a quick turnaround already. Um, and so if he is in uniform, I, I, I would just, I would caution fans that like his role would probably be reduced. Uh, they would probably lean on other players. Uh, at the wide receiver position, this obviously would be uh, perhaps a, a bigger opportunity for McCole Hardman, who's have obviously had a an odd month or so during the winning streak. But uh, but that's where we are. Um, I, again, probably by the time people uh, listen to this, hopefully uh, I will have known Josh Gordon's status. But the Chiefs were one of the highest vaccination rate teams in the NFL. Um, so I, I assume he is vaccinated right now. I will confirm that. Um, but it's unfortunate just because the Chiefs really haven't had a COVID issue outside of Tyron Matthew testing positive before the home opener, excuse me, before the season opener. And then Andy saying he could have played, but we chose not to uh, for just conditioning reasons. I'm unclear now if this makes it 25 to 27 with the latest report from, from Tom Pelissero doing the math on that, but at least 25 NFL players have been placed on the COVID list today um, and 11 on the practice squad COVID list. Um, so we are seeing a real hot streak for COVID in the NFL. The 
the Chiefs now also um, not not immune to it. Uh, I don't know if there's anything else on that front. Obviously, if Rashawn Slater doesn't play on Thursday, that would be a very large deal for the Chiefs' pass rush. Also, we're in a weird space because, again, on, on this short week, I mean, I, jo- I joked about it in the intro, but, like, how much do you guys want to talk Chiefs Raiders? How much do you want to look ahead to the Chargers? How, how do you want to uh, spend the time on the news? How do you want to spend the time on what we saw yesterday? I'm I'm open here, but we're, we're flying by the seat of our pants a little bit because things just keep happening. Yeah, I, I feel like we should, like, just sit here in silence and look at our phones for the next like two minutes just to see, <laughs> yeah. just to see if anything else happens. If we should stop doing this podcast and wait a little bit because that's I, our brand. <laughs> I would love to talk about what happened Sunday a little bit from the perspective of like moving forward. I'd love that. In part because, I mean, obviously the defensive turnaround started weeks and weeks ago when I was still appearing with you guys constantly and then I took my big vacation, which, hey, shout out to listeners for, you know, giving me the grace to take a vacation, Florida rules. Josh Briscoe ducked me at a, uh, at an airport, which is We fine. missed each other at the Tampa airport by an hour. Yeah, it was really <laughs> Seth funny. lives in Minnesota. I live in Kansas City. We were the closest we'd been since last time Seth was here in the Tampa region. Uh, but we, me and my family were getting lunch and you were uh, on the move was, to go get into a kayak or whatever. Yeah, I was just, yeah, we were just arriving. And, and obviously I wasn't going to ask my family to wait around because we wanted, we had to drive to Orlando that night. Um, yeah, and I wasn't going to tell Renee we couldn't get lunch because I didn't want our relationship to end yeah. in Tampa Bay. Yeah, it's like I well no because it would be really funny to take a picture. And it's like <laughs> my it. wife, my wife looked at me like I'd grown a second head, and I was, she's like, "So because it would be funny to take a picture, I'm like, yeah, I could yeah. tweet about it. Yeah, she tweet. was, yeah, she basically said some version of you're a 36 year old attorney, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but but I do still. love getting likes on Twitter. Yeah, though. it's just like the dopamine. Um, but I so anyway, besides that. The, the, the biggest thing, just something like moving forward, and we've talked about this a lot recently, it is impossible to overstate how different the pass rush is now than what it was like for the first month of the season. And everyone keeps talking about Chris Jones moving inside pretty much full-time again, which is a huge deal, right? He's a good edge. He's, a, he's good on the edge, and he got some of his pressures from the edge. But that's, that's a change-up, you know? That's not your fastball. He is great on the inside of the line. And you notice the Raiders had less success against him than they had in previous years. Now, some of that's a personnel issue, but it's also because Ingram, who's starting to get a ton of credit, right? Like you see people starting to tweet about like, did trading for Melvin Ingram like shift the balance of power in the AFC? But the other thing that really... And I'm going to be writing about this tonight, probably by the time people are listening to it on Tuesday morning, it should have dropped at the Chief of the North newsletter. I'm going to review every snap of Frank Clark because Colton Miller has given him problems the last. So the the first couple of years they played like in 17 and in 18, Frank Clark really did a number on him. Last year and in 2020, Colton Miller played well against him. Clark played awesome. Um, And him being really good again it's as though the Chiefs like because people want to talk about trading for Ingram now imagine if they traded for a player better than Ingram 
because that's basically what's happened for them, except he happened to be a guy who already played for the team and wasn't playing that well. So it's, it doesn't get treated like as big a deal. And I really want to chart every snap to just see how good it was. I know he got credit for like eight pressures or something like that. I tend to be a little more stingy with how I chart pressures. But, I mean, he he's playing well. And they are at that point now where – and Jaron Reed's playing better. Like the dream for them, right, mm-hmm. was – two stud pass rushers and one really good pass rusher. Like that was like the dream with Jones, Clark and Reed, right? They have that right now. Like Clark and Jones are both playing really, really well. And Ingram's playing really, really well. And they, their skill sets complement one another perfectly. Like it's happening. And so that's something to just keep watching for. Cause it's happening week after week after week. And that's that's a huge deal, especially again, you know, against the Chargers Thursday with the Chiefs having like a full extra quarter of rest. <laughs> yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I don't I was thinking about the extra quarter of rest thing by the way yesterday and I don't know what you guys think about um how much if you've put on three quarters of football I don't know if the fourth quarter carries over into maybe maybe you're not as sore on Monday maybe it doesn't matter at that point because you've been playing this car crash for three quarters of it as mm-hmm. long as you would usually mm-hmm. but but you know what you can't do whenever you're not playing in the fourth quarter you can't get hurt worse you and the, the Chiefs escaped that with with minimal injuries. Um, this is also kind of a weird. I've worked, this is going to be a weird, uncoordinated show today. Unlike usual, when it's most people don't know this, but I have you know I script this show out for all three of us every day, and I just give you guys your scripts and uh, we stick to them. Today we're doing improv for the first time ever. What could uh, possibly be different about this show as opposed to the last three or four? I can't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I'm blaming the short week. I'm blaming the short week, not the not the you know team getting its chemistry back. But you know, I mean, we gotta if if Patrick Mahomes and and Travis Kelsey can telepathically communicate on routes, but I, you know, maybe maybe you're Josh Gordon right now, Seth. We're just trying to work you back into the offense. You know, it's just been a minute. You know what? That that can take a little while, and I accept that. Uh, but there was something else I was going to mention. Oh, all the injuries and stuff. So, And, and this also has another layer of it that uh, I don't know that we can add much to. Again, sorry, the tone of this show is going to be all over the place today. But um, the, the Chiefs do have a sort of a sort of faux injury report out from today. They, they didn't actually practice today, but they did put out an, an estimation. estimation. Yeah, so uh, you can take that for what you will, but obviously Legereus Sneed um, would, would not have practiced and presumably is not back in Kansas City yet. Um, the All the details of this are in a bunch of places that you can, you can find all of them online, and they're 
all horrifying. Um, but Legereus Sneed's brother was killed in Louisiana, uh, I believe Friday night. We all yes. kind of found out publicly Saturday earlier. Yes. Um, he went to Louisiana um, and did not play against the Raiders. Not sure what it's going to be, you know, for him on Thursday or the rest of the season or, or who knows, but he came up a lot during the, the press conferences yesterday, Nate. I don't know if there's anything you want to speak to there. I'll do I'll do one cross promotion. Um, and, and this really this pains me because I would prefer to make fun of Sam McDowell instead of uh, complimenting his work. But I, I have no choice on this one. His piece on Sneed from about a month ago was was fabulous at the time. If you haven't read it yet, um, in light of the, the tragic loss of his brother, it's even more required reading now because his brother plays a enormous part in, in his young life. Um, so I, Nate, if you want to spend any time on the Sneed side of things with him being a, a late scratch from the team on Sunday, which had, um, you know, repercussions for what like Tyron Matthews role ended up being. And then, and then anything else from the off the field side that, that you think is, is worth kind of going through today. Again, assuming that, that most people have a, a loose idea of, of what's happened. Yeah. So, so what's been reported, um, in Louisiana, in in Sneed's hometown, uh, is that his his older brother um, was killed in a single uh, stabbing in the back, um, and it's unfortunate. I mean, it's it is it is a tragedy just because um, part of what Sam had uh, brought to light was just the idea that the the family was um, obviously through Legarius was um, you know reaching a, a certain stage uh in their family history that was um more positive than the past um and so this is this is heartbreaking for that manner um my understanding is is that the team has meetings on Saturday um and that they have a they have a walkthrough and basically um i guess you could call it late friday night saturday morning depending on your preference um was when uh, Legarius learned about this. The team was made aware of it, and then he he left the team uh, to go back to Louisiana. the The hard part is that you know we all have lives, we all have jobs, um, and so the coaching staff has this real, you know, they're just torn because um, they obviously understand and uh, give Legarius the time to to grieve, but then. Um, as Mike Hughes mentioned after the game, uh, obviously you have to change the game plan. You have to tell Mike Hughes, this is why you're starting, not you're starting this week, which is different than obviously um, in most cases. Um, and then as much as, as much as humans can, um, you try to uh, bring as much love, comfort, um, appreciation for that person and what they're dealing with. Uh, because obviously that, that family member is, is close and precious to them. Um, and so the chiefs as best they could honored Sunday's game, uh, in his name, in his family's name, uh, Andy Reid sort of mentioned that afterwards, but it's, it's, um, I mean, it's, it's just, it's, you know, the pandemic, I think heightens all of this, right? Um, just how precious life is, um, just how uncertain things are. The world feels chaotic at times, which I know people probably don't come to this podcast to acknowledge, but I mean, but this is true. I mean, I, I think, um, it's between 
you know, a number of people that have lost family members in unexpected ways. It's just, it's crushing. Um, and so, uh, Andy Reid has not answered if Legereus will rejoin the team for Los Angeles. I, I find that somewhat hard to believe, uh, or, or difficult to sort of go through. And again, if he does rejoin the team or if he does fly back from Louisiana to Kansas City Tuesday so that he can be with the team on Wednesday, and this is all sort of, uh, hypothetical at this point, I, 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 it'd be hard to imagine that he would not play his usual amount of snaps, um, for, uh, having to go through the grieving process. The funeral has, I don't, I don't think has been, has been set yet, which I think has been one of the issues for the family that is going through all this. And obviously there's a legal element to this too, because a woman who has been accused of the single stabbing, um, has been charged. And so, uh, there's that part of it too. It's, um, I don't know, fellas. I mean, I've, I hope I've given a decent representation of what has occurred over the last few days, but, um, Saturday is like one of the most, uh, one of the most team bonding days. I don't know if fans know that necessarily, because again, you go through the team meetings, you go through the final walkthrough, the game plan has been set. You have a team meal. Um, they usually, you know, spend the night at a hotel just to ensure from a participation standpoint, you're going to be there on Sunday, right? Um, you're not going to do anything wild. Um, but when you're this late in the season, you know when one of your guys isn't there, and to know why he's not there, um, it's just it's just tough. So um, it's incredibly sad. Uh, I don't think there's anybody who doesn't enjoy talking to Legarius Sneed because I think he's sort of shown more and more of his personality as he's gotten further along in his career. And then you realize, oh, it's only year two, and um, you know he represented he represented real change in his family and. It's sad that one of the people that helped him reach uh, his success, that helped him become a man um, at such an early age, honestly, uh, is no longer with us. Yeah. Yeah, and you you might think that a better podcast host wouldn't have introduced that right into the middle of a show that is largely about either dumb football or dumb laughing. And you would be right. (laughs) So I don't know. Um, I, I can't imagine that there's a whole lot that you would add to that, Seth. I also don't know what we uh, segue to, because honestly, I'd love to know what you think about, you know, more. We, maybe we should have just spent more time talking about Frank Clark earlier on. I, I and More things from, you know, a fun blowout victory and all of that, but it, it makes but, the transition difficult. But but, is, but isn't that, and, but in some ways, though, I feel like that is a true representation, because yeah. for well-informed Chiefs fans, for, for, yeah. for fans who are very, um, intense about what appears to be another chance to to go towards the Super Bowl. Um, as much as you felt good about the way the team performed, you also knew that the guy that played the most defensive snaps before yesterday's game wasn't on the field because mm-hmm. of everything that uh, everything that happened. So it's it's it is um it's the reality we live in, right? There there yeah. are good things, there are bad things. Um, we feel good about the good things. If you're a Chiefs fan, obviously it's it's just curb stomping the Raiders and we feel incredibly sad about the incredible sad, you know, news. Yeah. Uh, Seth, you want to clean up our mess? I think it's important to note that real life continues. Um, even as we focus primarily on something that serves mostly as a distraction from real Mm -hmm. life. I mean, that's part of why we love sports is it's like a self-contained universe. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's somewhat jarring when things from the outside 
almost it's almost like they're intruding you know what i mean and yeah. then and then we all stumble all over ourselves to make sure that we inject the humanity into it and not treat it like an intruder because obviously it's so much more important but at the same time it is an intrusion because that's why not why we're here and so that's why i think it becomes so awkward and i think you guys did a really good job trying to handle it and when you talk about handling things there it is. Great. I love it. Thank you, Seth. You're a hero. I'm so glad you're back, man. We needed you. We needed this rep from <laughs> the, you. Uh, the, the, the important thing to understand yeah. about handling your business yeah. is first things first in the NFL is handling your division. And the Chiefs are right in the middle of doing that. And their We're chance back, baby. to do a death knell mm. on Thursday Yep. to the AFC West. Now, if they beat the Chargers on Thursday, that doesn't mean the Chargers can't win the division. Like the Chiefs... The Chiefs could lose out and they could win out. Or, you know, the Chiefs could lose a couple games and they could win a couple games and then there'd be all kind of tiebreakers. But I'm trying to figure out because the Chiefs right now, I believe, is it a are they tied up or is it a, the Chiefs have one one game lead? Chiefs I'm sorry, what was the question? That got the, lost for the, me. The, the Chiefs have a one game lead. The reason why this is so significant is because uh, the Chargers, if they win, uh, obviously have the tiebreaker. And all they have right. to do is hold serve over the next three games. That's right. the best way to describe it. It's like, hey, just don't get broken. Yep. Hold your serve and you'll 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 have a you're you're guaranteed to have a home playoff game in SoFi Stadium with mm. over right. half of the fans not being your Yeah, yeah. It'll still fans. be someone else. <laughs> Which you know what? I feel for the Chargers. I assume eventually they'll become more popular where they're at. If they keep being good. I don't know. Two LA teams never made sense. That was just insanity. But anyway, uh, be that as it may. So but the interesting thing is their their fortunes as a team can really drift based on how this game goes. Because you you lose now you're eight and six to ten and four and you don't or to and to ten and five or no ten and four sorry. So you're yeah. literally so you're two games back with three games to go and yes. you don't have a guaranteed tiebreaker. Correct. So you basically, now it's like you're very, very, very unlikely. So you go from destiny is in your hands to destiny is completely out of your hands. And now you're hoping that the Browns, Bengals, Colts, man, the Broncos, the Bills, there's so many teams that have won six or seven games. Yeah. Um, and so this really, the, the thing for the Chiefs is, they because now they're they're nine and four. They're very likely to make the playoffs no matter what happens Thursday. But this is a chance for them, like you said, to to almost guarantee that they can host a home game to keep themselves in the running for the one seed. Which I love how well Clyde Edwards-Alaire has played since he got back. But that Ravens game still bugs the bejesus out of me. Um, and it happens. Fumbles happen, right? They just happen. if you're the Chiefs, they happen a yeah, lot. Yeah, for if a you're while. the Chiefs, they happen yeah. all the time. But like. They are a fluke fumble from being at the top of the AFC West. Sole mm-hmm. possession of it. And that 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 stings. Of and the AFC. Really, of the AFC. Yeah, the AFC. You have the entire kit and caboodle. And so that's it, – it's just an interesting thing how your, your, your whole season can really rise and fall on just a few plays. Because when you think about the last time they played the Chargers, and this is what makes this an interesting game to me, the Chiefs were playing significantly worse football – Arguably mm-hmm. not on offense, although they were turning the ball over constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were playing way worse on defense. 
when they played the Chargers. And if you go back and watch that game, the the way the Chargers move the ball or score consisted of two different ways. One, really short drives because the Chiefs turned the ball over four times. That's a, that's a buttload of turnovers. You know yeah. what's supposed to happen when you turn the ball over four times? You're supposed to lose like, you know, 48 to to nine. Or, yeah, that is. I mean, that, that's not a score that happens, but I mean, I understand. Yeah, yeah. Like 48 to nine sort of lost what you would expect losing. Again, no, not that anyone would even feasibly do that. Yeah. That's like a, no, that's like no a, one, that's like a varsity versus JV score. You're supposed to, yeah. <laughs> it is indeed. You're supposed to lose by that much. Whereas the Chargers, they didn't, they barely beat the Chiefs. But that's where that that loss, in a way, in that way, was fluky as well. And and look, hey, the Chargers earned it. They you know they they scored that kind of stuff. But it consisted of that or blown coverages and like big plays given mm. up. Which, to be fair, that's going to happen with Herbert sometimes. The man can throw the ball a country mile. He's an excellent quarterback. But the Chiefs haven't been giving up those big plays lately, and their defense is playing a lot better. But it's still frustrating because that was another game they really should have won. <laughs> And this game should be borderline meaningless for the Chiefs. They should have like a three-game cushion in the division already, and they could be talking about, well, guys, should we just sit our starters? It is a Thursday night game. Who cares? But they can't. So I don't know. I hope that helped snap us back to reality of the division game. I actually have to go, speaking of snapping back to reality, my wife got very, very used to me being like around Mm. Oh, I had one question for you. I had one offense I'll question it, for you, though. And then I got to go. Okay. I wanted to run this by when I saw it earlier today because you, you gave us some on the defense, and Nate and I talked a lot about the defense the last few shows, rightfully so, obviously. But the Chiefs almost hit 50, and then there's this tweet from Mike Clay that I'm, I'm curious to get your view on because I've been, you know, still reading what you've been writing sure. and whatnot. He tweeted, the Chiefs have faced two high safeties less than 40% of the time in only two games this season. Week 10 versus yep. the Raiders, 28%, and week 14 versus the Raiders, 24%. Yep. The Chiefs scored 41 points in week 10 and 48 in week 14, compared to just under 24 points per game in their other 11 games. So, Seth, Nate and I could talk about this after you go, but... What I want to get from you is how much of the puzzle you think that is, because I know that there's more to it, but I am also interested to know what you think about that particular stat. I, I think it's definitely interesting. The one I also pro- I also want to know what it doesn't account for, because again, I know there's And I think that would be the so what I'll start with is there's there there looks to be some kind of correlation there. However, when you look at like, I know, I think it was Lee Sharp, but I can't say with 100% certainty. Um, they It's been looked at. The Chiefs, it's not like they never faced cover two last year. They faced a ton of it last year and they diced it up. And so I, I think maybe there's some correlation there. I think the bigger issue is this. I think heavy cover two looks can force sometimes. It's not like there's nothing that can beat cover two looks deep. I mean, right. there's, 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 you know, run mills. I love mills. I mean, there, there's, there's looks you can use to beat that. The thing I would say is this, it might force you to occasionally go on longer drives, play a little more conservatively. And maybe that fit precisely into where the chiefs have struggled this year in terms of drops, turnovers, self-inflicted errors. I would say much more so than the self-inflicted error stuff or much more so than the cover two stuff is the self-inflicted error mm-hmm. stuff. The Chiefs also weren't dropping passes. Uh, and that's that's first and foremost. And that's not the biggest problem on offense, but it's one of the biggest problems mm-hmm. is, is the dropping passes, fumbles, and stupid penalties. Yep. And if they and I like I said, if they if they lowered that by half, they would have scored 10 more against the Cowboys. They would have scored 10 more against the Broncos. I mean, they they really 
didn't need to against the Broncos, but you know that's neither here nor there. But uh, that that's worth noting. Yo, go ahead, yeah, get out of here, Seth. Get oh, out yeah, you got your, you got your exclamation that's, point. That's the biggest thing to to really look at. The cover two stuff matters to an extent, but I think that's an easy soundbite to grab at yep. because they, it's not like Mahomes doesn't know how to beat cover two. It's not like Andy Reid doesn't know how to beat cover two. Yes, I think the bigger thing is the self inflicted errors. And when they close down on those, they they do really, really well. It's just like against Green Bay, which we talked about extensively. I appreciate you guys. I will see you, I'm sure, later this week. Yes, yeah, sir. we're not sure what day yet. We're going to figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, another show. Thank you, Seth. Yep. To, I think to, Seth made some good points there. I hate for him to hear that if he's still on the call, uh, but I tend to agree with a lot of that, Nate. It sounds yes. like you do, too. Yeah, I have two things to add on to that. Um, as I wrote in The Athletic um, following Sunday's game, and I and I I think this this serves the point about Seth being like, hey, if you if you keep everything in front of you, if you play too high, that increases more snaps theoretically, which increases more chance of them making a mistake and us like not giving up the big play. Mm-hmm. But what has proven to be true, at least in this six game winning streak, is that the Chiefs still rely on the big play. Uh, it may not look the same way because it's not Mahomes throwing 50-yard completions to Tyreek Hill. That's quietly not happened a lot this season. Mm. Um, and Travis Kelsey is not um, hes not as fluid in the middle of the field in terms of breaking tackles as he was a year ago. Um, so, again, those are your two big play weapons by and large. And then, obviously, you have Andy Reid and Eric Bidemi creating plays. But... If they have, and, and this now, uh, during the winning streak, Mahomes has had 10 passes where the Chiefs have gained 25 yards or more. So a quarter of the field. If you give up a quarter or more of the field to them on one play, I don't know if it's emotionally, psychologically, uh, on both sides of the ball, right? For the offense, for the mm-hmm. defense. Like, Whatever it is, it is equated to points every time. So on those 10 drives, and hmm. and, it, and it isn't just, hey, 125-yard chunk here, 125-yard chunk there. No, it's it's right. only one on each of those 10 drives, and they've all ended in touchdowns. Hmm. Um, and so I just want people to think about that. Like, yes, you, you the offense still needs chunk plays, but they have to come in a variety of ways now versus single high, just let that thing go. Um, yeah. And if you give Mahomes in that offense 25 yards at any point in the drive, Harrison Bucker is going to make it 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. And I know we haven't mentioned Harrison Bucker a ton this year, but he's 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 quietly in the range of like being considered again for a Pro Bowl honor, if not for this Justin Tucker dude who just made the longest field goal anybody's ever <laughs> made. Oh, um, right. So he may be, you know, he may be the silver or bronze in the in the Pro Bowl All Pro discussion, but because their field goal kicker is is doing a great job in Harrison Bucker, and because the offense needs big plays, well, then, well, let's 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 prevent them as much as possible from doing that. Even mm-hmm. though, in theory, more plays means one of those could be for for twenty twenty five yards or more, um, and then secondly. As we were all going through the scenarios, right? We have entered playoff scenario time. The picture, right? Yes. I mean, even who's in the hunt? Even Kirk, everybody. Even Kirk Cousins and the Vikings is still in the picture, y'all. Um, 
what Seth just laid out. Do you know what it means, Josh? No. What does it mean? It means, and I don't want to make this sexual, but it's hard not to make it sexual. Okay. <laughs> now I, I'm really interested in what this means. <laughs> and I know, like, we've we've ventured in a lot of different areas because that's just where we are in the season and, and what is required from us. You know, I, I called it a Zoolander walk-off mm-hmm. last year when the Chiefs mm-hmm. were, were going to Baltimore for, for that mega showdown on Monday Night Football. Um, some people have described these games as unzip your pants and, and just <laughs> and let it show, let it let yourself show. Some some people have described this game as um, you got to dress it up, you got to make it spicy. This this isn't just an ordinary Sunday. This is a Thursday night date night where we gotta we gotta put some we gotta put it all on. And ladies and gentlemen, it's an unzip your pants and. <laughs> Let's see what you got game. It truly is. Because if the Chargers, the Chargers know, the Chargers know the only reason they, the really, the only reason they won that game was because of the four turnovers, credit to them and Marcus Kemp, and because their coach understood when he got off the bus, we must go forward on fourth down and we must convert on fourth down. Those are the two reasons they won that game. Um, they may have to do that again, but they've also got to be schematically ready to like go toe to toe with Andy Reid, who, um, as my father has said, has been working on this game for a month now. Mm-hmm. Like the moment the bye week came and they got through the Cowboys, which was a real challenge, the team was already anticipating hey, we take care of our business at home. Everything lines up for like this to be like kind of one of those penultimate games of the season. And uh, it's time to let some of them plays on the play sheet go. It's time to unzip your pants, guys. It really <laughs> is time to show what is necessary. Because, I, and I want to remind fans of this. Uh, and this, this brings me great joy because it reminds me of a conversation I had with Therese. A few years ago, mm-hmm. I believe it was I believe it was the 2019 season. Somebody can fact check beyond this, but it was the ultimate of the entire regular season in 2019. It was the ultimate unzip your pants and let's just go shot for shot. Um, it was when the 49ers went to New Orleans, and guys, I'm pretty sure the 49ers put out everything in that game in order to win that <laughs> game on the road, and it's, it includes the play where George Kittle just. I mean, just killed some Saints football <laughs> football wise, ladies and gentlemen. Um, just just manhandled dudes on a catch and he went along the sidelines. But it was truly a a Kyle Shanahan, Sean Payton, this is why we coach, okay? Because <laughs> we both need the game. The game is important to both teams, and we we I don't want to come back to New Orleans. <laughs> what's mm-hmm. Kyle what's Kyle Shanahan? <laughs> And if you're Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, now, now, yes, the Superdome by no means compares to SoFi Stadiums. But if you want the one seed, if you want to ensure yourself of at least one home playoff game, um, Andy Reid don't really want to go back to L.A. I mean, I'm sure he does. That's his hometown, but not in mm-hmm. this context. Like mm-hmm. he can if, go back to L.A. on like February 15th. Or yeah, something. and if and if you're Brendan Staley, you don't want to go back to Kansas City. So mm-hmm. it's it just sets up beautifully for 
which would be a very entertaining, very like this game. This game deserves to be close in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, in my mind. Um, I, we've we've gone a very long distance since the stat the, about cover two uh, or two high safety looks. I think you guys are both right on everything there. Um, in terms of where my pants will be during Chiefs Chargers, <laughs> you know that I can't, I cannot confirm or deny. Um, by, but by, it, the, it, by the by the way, by the way, by the way, a a a a a a a man, a a cliff, a cliff. I look, look. I know a lot of people out here questioning. Your coaching ability, even though in the playoff picture you at the top of the standings, go on and zip that pants just a little bit, okay, dog? Like, Whoa! just just do it. To hold me. on a second. Wait, hey, do it to me. I got it. Hold on. Are you are you saying that uh, you know, Sean McVay and Cliff Kingsbury might do it? Might have an unzip it game tonight? Because I, mean, I wasn't planning on tuning in, I but mean, I mean, okay, maybe maybe we should change this around. Maybe it's the all right. Put another put another plate on. Put put another. It's put too. A, it has been too well established as a zip, unzip your pants game. There's no undoing. Put that. another plate. Put more on my plate. Put more you on my plate. You can't or zip this one back give, up, man. Give me, give me more weights. Put more weights on on it. Put, you you want to do you a give our listeners? You've given our listeners an irrevocable image of Cliff Kingsbury and Sean uh, Sean McVay standing on opposite <laughs> sides of the field, wearing their headset and their tops and their sneakers. I'm just saying. Uh, they're Winnie the Poohing it on the sideline. Sean McVay, look, the 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 reputation is kind of out. Hey man, your teams be kind of struggling at the end of this regular season because you know teams be actually here watching your tape, uh, catching all your tendencies. Uh, with a brand new quarterback who you know might be one of the biggest games he's ever played in his NFL career, and mm-hmm. Cliff Kingsbury. How y'all how y'all nine and two again? <laughs> I think Cliff Kingsbury actually would like to would like to coach fully nude. On the I think that would be his preferred way of doing it. It's just the NFL rules, you know. I just but look, I just love when like people are like, "Oh, what's on Monday? Oh, it's an actually it's a really good game on Monday night." And then everybody outside of the Arizona region <laughs> is going to be like, "Hold on, hold on, what is that by their record? Yes. What, what is that by their score? That's a how, typo, right? How they how they ten and two? How what?" <laughs> So we're here. You know? We had we had two weird weeknight primetime games last week. I hope this week's come through for us because it's it's the it, it's two it's two unzip your pants games. Um, and in primetime, in primetime, right? Which the, is the what prime you want. Weeknight games. The yeah. Primetime weeknight games. That's what you want. You don't want to unzip your pants at noon <laughs> on a Sunday. On a Sunday. <laughs> On the day of rest, I can't. Believe, we we lost Seth for ten minutes, and then the entire NFL was unzipping its pants for the remainder of this show. Look, I look. We I, need Seth back. There's only there's only one. This is the only. I just want you guys to know this is the only place where I can say that out loud. Okay. <laughs> like, like, by the way, I just looked it up. It was forty eight. 46 49ers. And again, Ugh. Therese and I were just like, they they emptied all the play. Like, do they not realize they're going to play in the playoffs? Like, they emptied <laughs> the entire playbook. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> How did we get to that from a stat about cover, too high? Too high cover two. Oh, oh my goodness. So look, look, I, look, look I, if, but if there's any day... If there's any day in the regular season, Andy, to show those cover two beaters, uh, now is the time for that to be behind the, 
you know, you know what? I don't know what, and that's okay. You know, <laughs> that's all right with me. I don't need to know. Um, do I do I need to find a zipper in my in my closet and, <laughs> and unzip it for the audience? Hold on, I gotta have one. I'm in my. I have my clothes. Hold on. <laughs> All right, I'm going to zip it back up, actually, so we can talk about the rest of Chiefs Chargers. Hold on. Mm. That's a zip up. Now, it's different than a... Oh, yeah. That's a zip down. This is a zip up. That must take a little more labor, which is also how the last several minutes of this podcast have felt. Like, like work. I'm... Can't... I can't... I'm putting laundry back in my clean laundry basket right now because I... Because of a bit we did on this podcast that people listen to. Stupid. Anyway, uh, if if the regardless of pant status on Thursday, and, and also I'm I'm thinking you got to correct me if I'm wrong. This is a mid show, late show, post show, pre show meeting here. Mm-hmm. But I, it's looking like we might have an outside shot of sneaking in a Wednesday episode. I think most likely we're gonna go Monday, Friday this week, and this will this will be a, a little double feature here. Yes, I will be back I, right I, after I, the I game. I think that's where that's heading, depending on Let's, Seth's okay. schedule. But we'll see. Well, let's let's assume that then. Obviously, uh, I mean, there's so many things from this game that we haven't gotten to, which is just like that's what happens, I guess, when you have uh, a, a blowout victory for the team you cover. We could have spent ten minutes talking about Mike Hughes today. We we talked about Josh Gordon through the COVID context, not the touchdown context. The yeah, it was still a quiet game for Travis Kelsey, a relatively quiet game for Tyreek Hill. Like, it, but the defense was fabulous and had. Five turnovers, including two punch outs from Mike Hughes and the scoop and score from Mike Hughes. Like just Mike Hughes podium game is not what I expected, but was certainly glad to see it. Um, And then now we also have to look ahead again a little bit on Thursday with a lot we don't know about Rashawn Slater. A lot we don't know about Josh Gordon. What are you where are you at right now? Um, non-pants based region on on this game and on if there's anything else we need to learn from uh, from Sunday. <clears throat> non pan division. Yeah. Above the waist. Yeah. I, I think Mike Hughes stepping up um is is just really noteworthy um because he had a dip in his play in the middle of the season uh and he sort of found his role as like that next cornerback that can come up and play on the outside if necessary. Um I mean I don't know why people are complaining about Andrew Wiley. The dude's been playing great. Like, yeah. I, I, what, what more do you want from your third string right tackle? Like, and you know, this is something that uh, I will definitely ask Andy Reid tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. But we really haven't heard an update on Mike Rimmers, and I don't really know why yeah. he has not yeah. been on the injured reserve list. So, like, I'm gonna try to get to the bottom of that as best I can. Um, but the assumption is, is that Lucas Niang was was in uniform on Sunday if it got to an emergency situation, mm-hmm. but maybe there's a chance of him um, returning for Thursday night's game against the Chargers. There's a chance. Um, in terms of what else sort of, you know, jumped out to me, um, I thought Patrick Mahomes' pocket presence was just excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to say, like, the Raiders were, like, swarming him all the time, but I do feel like in the first half, that was as that was as precise as I had seen him in a while. And it kind of gets lost in, you know, the five turnovers, the Raiders ridiculous antics, <laughs> the blowout. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, there were no drops. 
Um, because he improved his ball placement and the receivers improved their ability to catch the ball consistently. So, um, his four incompletions were all reasonable. Uh, they were, none of them were really crushing outside of like, it could have been a pass interference, could have maybe not on the opening drive with, with Kelsey, but like. CBS hadn't gotten their replay cameras working at that point yet, so we'll yeah. never know for sure. Well, I, I saw it on the jumbo channel in the stadium, and you could you could call pass interference. I mean, the, oh wow! The, so the re, so the replay footage does exist. That's crazy. We we got to get working. Somebody's got to get in there for CBS. Yeah, all all twenty two will show it to you. But yeah. I remember Kelsey turning turning around to I guess the back judge and looking mm-hmm. at that official and being and like kind of like waving his hand, being like, yeah. like you know that's a bad call. And then yeah. when they showed the jumbotron, the fans were like, you, you, you know this groan's coming. Uh-huh. Oh, come on! <laughs> you know, so there was one of those yeah. in the stadium, but I'm sorry, I guess I guess CBS was kind of, you know, asleep for a second? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they, they needed, look, at noon game again. The Chiefs haven't played at noon for a while. They were trying to, they're all waking up still. I don't know. Uh, what about what about Thursday then? Because we've we have, I, I, I this is the most exciting game for the Chiefs uh, since Sunday Night Football against the Bills, maybe in terms of like ramp up excitement for it this year. Uh, it, it's it's the Raiders bring rivalry juice, and the Packers game was supposed to have Aaron Rodgers, but this you get you get prime time, you get Patrick Mahomes off of a game that looked very Patrick Mahomesy, yep. and Justin Herbert and, and the Chargers, who obviously have they, they they stubbed their toe a little bit after a great start, but they just beat the Bengals and Giants pretty handily in back to back weeks. I, the Giants aren't good, the Bengals might be. Well, it's still work in progress, but. With with them kind of both seeming like they're rounding into form a little bit, I on the road Thursday night football is the I think those are the most difficult like matchup agnostic things for any team in the sport. Not not about you know this quarterback versus this pass rush or whatever, but just if you're gonna say hey build me the worst case scenario for a football team in a game, I'd say well they're on the road traveling pretty far on Thursday night. That Ooh. would be where I would start there. And, yeah. and that's the reality for the Chiefs here. Yep. And um look, it, it took I'm trying to think of all the all the Thursday night outcomes we've had so far. Um and and it kind of goes back to your point. I mean, the Steelers looked like they weren't even on the field in the first quarter against the Vikings. Um you know, Lamar Jackson probably had his worst game up to that point on a Thursday night in his own hometown. So it, it wasn't like he wasn't motivated to, to play well against the Dolphins, but the Dolphins blitzed uh, a lot of zero coverage, a lot of zero blitz, um, and it seemed to work. Uh, I mean, unless you're the Patriots who somehow lucked out and got the, you know, I mean, for their benefit. I mean, they got the Falcons, and the Falcons didn't even want to be there. Um, but even Taysom Hill, right? Taysom Hill, not a good quarterback. Can I just no. say that I like not yeah. a good quarterback was was still having the ball in his hands down one possession in the fourth quarter to a way more impressive Dallas Cowboys team, and that mm-hmm. team was on the road. So that just tells you, like again, um, these Thursday night games are sort of designed to be close. I think the league has quietly figured that out, mm. um, and so it'll be it'll be a tough challenge for the Chiefs. Um, you know, in some ways, these are these are sort of, you know, preludes to the postseason. Of course, I think the game in Cincinnati can have 
just as much, if not more significance, depending on how this outcome goes for the Chiefs. But but you're right, Josh. I mean, I don't think Chiefs fans should be surprised if the Chargers win. Like yeah. they, they 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 just shouldn't. Okay, like it's it's totally okay. Um, and one of the more um, kerfuffles, one of the more complicated decisions that Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, Patrick Mahomes will have to make. And I know, Josh, <clears throat> this is this is not this is not your wheelhouse. Oh, you know, this okay. isn't this isn't your favorite village. Okay. Um. The Chargers stink at run defense. And you have two presumably healthy, capable backs in late December. Don't like how you slided Derek Gore right there, but that's the only thing I have an issue with. So well, let's get, let's, 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 hell, add, add three. Because when Derek Gore got his opportunity, he, he ran his you-know-what off. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so you got, you got capable backs, and their run defense is awful. Now, analytically, we all know the Chiefs will need to actually get a lead in order to maybe exploit this to the best of their abilities, ask Bill Belichick against the Buffalo Bills a few weeks ago. Um, how much of those plays can we get from the nether regions <laughs> based on the ratio of, hey, uh, running the ball could actually give you a higher level of success than than usual because the Chargers are, are, are truly bad at this. And Unlike the Chiefs defense, where you've seen a bad version and a good version, that that version in in, in Los Angeles has virtually stayed the same. They are mm. awful. If they are going to make it worth it to run the ball, I'm happy for them to do that. My you know my larger beef is with teams that run the ball for the sake of it without actually taking the time to take some inventory there. And that's not really a problem that Andy Reid has very often of overrunning the ball just because he enjoys it. So uh, I'll be I'll be interested to see if if that comes to fruition. Um, and, and but you're I mean to be fair with your earlier presupposition, I'm way more interested to see if Patrick Mahomes and the passing game can carry over this result into another game because they they blew out the Raiders a few games back yep. and then went and, and didn't even cross twenty against the Cowboys. And it was just nice to see the offense look easy again. I'm, I couldn't tell you the last time I, I felt that confident. I mean, it would have been the Raiders game, but outside of the other Raiders game, it wasn't even easy for four quarters against Washington. Um, maybe Philly, I guess, but uh, even then, again, some of those games were a little bit of a, a tale of two halves, if you will. So I'll be interested to see how that pans out, but at this point, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm going to say I think the Chiefs will win this game and make it uh, seven in a row, which is kind of wild considering where they were at at three and four before this six game current streak started. But I, I am, I am not, I am not confident in that much at all, just because of everything we, we laid out earlier of this is, this is as far from a neutral field as you could play on, despite the fact that it's in SoFi, which will be almost literally a neutral field. Yep. And what could be the more, um, disappointing thing for the chiefs is uh it's a thursday night game with with major importance late in the season for the division arguably yes and ultimately it could come right back to turnovers again 
Um, yeah. uh, look, look, guys, uh, until I'm proven differently, I'm going to keep saying it. If they have one turnover or zero in every game for the remainder of the season, the Chiefs should win. Mm. Um, and again, the largest reason as to why they didn't beat the Chargers, despite all their other issues at that time, was because they had four turnovers. Um, turnovers will play a significant uh, impact in this game, whether the Chiefs are able to create them or the Chargers, or um, if it's an even game, uh, you know, that will obviously um, sort of make that whatever the, the most recent turnover, obviously that that will increase its level of significance. So um, in my eyes, this is the last game where you could, where you could say, at least on the Chiefs' schedule so far, this is the last game on the regular season where you could say it's a, it's a true toss-up, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I think when the Chiefs play the Bengals, the Bengals might be playing for their playoff life, mm-hmm. um, which is similar to what they just went through with the Raiders. Um, but I think I think the Chargers have a better coach. I think the Chargers have a better quarterback. Yep. Um, and the Chargers have players, at least on their roster, who have played in the postseason. Uh, mm. The Bengals are doing this all for the first time. Uh, yeah. And, you know, NFL history would sort of tell you they're a team that that's right on the cusp. They're they're probably going to need a few things to go their way, but if the Chiefs even sniff the one seed or even you know see it in their in their sights at that point, um, it'd be hard to to pick against the Chiefs in that category. So um, this is the last uh, toss up game for me. Yep, and. I think the Chiefs will win, um, but no result will really surprise me unless we get what we just saw, you know, 24 hours ago at the time of this right. recording, which is, wow, they one team uh, looks super motivated and focused and one team got all its highlights before kickoff. <laughs> Uh, my last note here is that this is also the last toss-up game for the Chargers because they end their season mm. at the Texans, home against the Broncos, at the Raiders. Maybe the Raiders are able to uh, to give the Chiefs a little help there in week in week eighteen, game seventeen. If we uh, if we get to that point and the Chiefs need it, but again, if if the Chargers win this game, they obviously have the head-to-head tiebreaker with a bullet with with two victories over the Chiefs. Also, at this point, I don't think this really matters, but uh, the Chiefs' AFC record is significantly worse than the Patriots. Yep, and uh, they're they're gonna they're almost certainly gonna need to win straight up uh, to, to have to have a fully better record than everyone else at the top of the AFC. The Chiefs are the Chiefs are in the worst position among the top of the AFC strictly in terms of the tiebreakers. So, whenever you look at the standings, I would say generally just assume that unless the Chiefs have a bigger number in the W column that they would slot in below whoever they're tied with. Yeah. And uh if the Chiefs win, a uh, little bit of homework, guys, and we'll remind you this on Friday if that happens too. Um, but if the Chiefs win, you immediately become fans of the Colts and you immediately become fans of the Pittsburgh Steelers because, uh, yes. you know, the Colts, I believe, uh, play, they host the Patriots and the Steelers, who you would face next. So do your own, you know, advanced scouting. Uh, they would play the Tennessee Titans. And those are the two teams in front of you in the AFC playoff picture as it states today. 
Patriots go at Colts versus Bills versus Jags at Dolphins. So um, could be there could be three, uh, you know, three sort of uh, frisky games in there potentially. And uh, also they play the Jags. So those are their final four. Uh, if you want to see what Seth whips up uh, about Frank Clark and about Patrick Mahomes, those are his two plans before getting to Thursday Night Football. You can read that at mnchiefsfan.substack.com. It's 12 bucks for a year, forever, if you sign up for that rate. So you can go do that there. And uh, you can, of course, read all of Nate's work at theathletic.com. I literally just go to his author page sometimes to make sure I'm not missing anything. I I like that direct link access. And you can follow all of us on Twitter. I'm at JB Briscoe. Nate is at by Nate Taylor. Seth is at Real MN Chiefs Fan. So most likely going to just talk to you again after Chiefs Chargers on Friday. But I will say this. Um, I don't know why I turned to Eric Bieniemy there for a minute. I will say this. <laughs> um, I Look, we got to put consistent. We, we have been putting consistent behavior on tape. I'm yes. not sure that it's good behavior, but right. it's been consistent behavior. Um, I will say that your, your best move here is to make sure you're subscribed to, to, to Times R's wherever you get your podcasts. Doesn't matter what the podcatcher is, uh, but that way, if you, you get a new episode, just drop them to your phone. You'll be ready for it. Even if it's a little, uh, maybe it's a surprise one. Uh, we haven't had any, any midweek breaking news that has knocked us that far off our bleep, but, um, we'll, we'll see how, how this week plays out. Most likely we'll do a post Chiefs Chargers game on Friday. And then I might see if we, maybe we, maybe we whip up another mailbag with, mm-hmm. uh, with Seth back in the mix or, uh, take a look around the AFC, a little bit of both perhaps the Monday after, but, uh, thinking that we'll probably talk to you again next on Friday after Chiefs Chargers. And if we surprise you, we surprise you. Life's full of surprises. That's why you got to unzip your pants sometimes, I think. I'm, I only have paid attention to what Nate was saying there. Nate, take us out. Um, just remember, when the time arrives, you 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 wanna you wanna have planned in advance. You wanna you wanted to have early, you wanted to early scout. You wanted to get the right look, and then when the when the moment arrives, oh, hold on, hold on, hold be on. ready. With- Let, let that thing, let that thing, uh, you know, just just unzip. Uh, look, it's got it's obviously a special occasion, but you've advanced scouted. It's been on the calendar. You've you've circled it, and there you go. I'm really sorry about this episode, everybody.